And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Luke chapter 9, verse 29. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Drawing near to God will change you. When Moses talked with God on Mount Sinai, it had the effect of making his face shine. And this isn't a metaphor. It's not just sort of a poetic description. Literally, his face shone with the naked eye. This isn't some faith statement. His face was bright, glowing light. It was um, such a freaky thing to see. It scared everybody. It says in Exodus 34, verse 30, that Moses had to cover his face just to stop freaking everybody out. And when he would go back in to meet God in the cloud on Sinai, he would unveil his face. What I love about the temporary transfiguration of Moses uh, and these, this tra- the, sort of the lessons from Transfiguration Sunday is it really makes manifest that, that God is real, that his glory is a real thing, that I think there's this tendency to, when we talk about, say, God's glory or his holiness, as if they're sort of pious concepts, you know, inside the minds of those of us who believe. And what these encounters show us is it's, no, these, are, these words refer to real things that when you encounter them will have a real effect. As we see elsewhere in the scriptures, if you encounter God's real glory with rebellion in your heart, it can be lethal. Right? That's the sort of dread story of Ananias and Sapphira and of Korah in the Old Testament and um, these small rebellions is that the glory of God can have a, a hard effect. But it can also, for those of us who approach God earnestly, uh, it can have a transforming effect, a transfiguring effect. And we see that in these great examples uh, of Moses and, and then of Jesus, the story I want to spend the most time looking at this morning. The, the, the presence of God, it, it seems apparently to have an effect almost like radiation. Like when you get in the presence, I, I don't know, actually I know literally next to nothing about how radiation actually works. But I know that if you've been around something radioactive, you will then make a Geiger, I don't even know how to pronounce it, a Geiger counter tick. Right? Because the radiation has been absorbed into your body and you are now emanating radiation. And I, maybe the Lord made radiation to give us some picture of how his glory works when we encounter it. When we draw near to God, it causes us by his grace, out of his goodness, by the power of his Holy Spirit to become more like him, more glorious, more radiant. Um, In the Christian life, at first, this happens in very small, mostly invisible ways, right? The inner transfiguration, when all of a sudden, um, when we would have once followed an impulse of the flesh, God has given us strength to not do so. When we are inclined to speak a kind word where we might have remained silent, that's God transforming us little by little, inwardly being renewed, an inward transfiguration. But all of this actually uh, will culminate. It has its final fruit in, in outward transfiguration. That, believe it or not, it is the destiny of each of us to glow with a radiance of God. Now, for almost all of us, almost certainly, um, this won't be till the resurrection, but this is the clear promise of the scriptures. Um, St. Paul writes in Philippians chapter three, verse 21. 
Jesus will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So we're actually all on this this trajectory towards transfiguration. Ultimately, when we are raised from the dead, we will have a glorious, glowing body, like the angels who are sort of fully reflective of the glory of God by his near presence. The Lord, um, in his wisdom, gave us some glimpses of sort of the end game of this in uh, the life of Moses, right? By Moses, who the scripture says was the most humble man who ever lived, um, which is one of those sort of weird, like hard statements to even saw, like how are you the most exceedingly humble, right? But, but he was the most humble man, and that's not incidental to the fact that he was the one chosen to draw so near to God that he would have a reflective brilliance. That when he called Moses uh, up to Sinai, um, Moses, the process of, so the end game of final transfiguration of being radiant with God's glory began for him before he died in this life. We see something kind of similar actually, a bit different, but similar in the life of Elijah. That he walked so closely with God that when it came time to die, he didn't keel over the the way the rest of us do. Um, He was swept up into heaven in a chariot of fire, whatever that is, right? But it's bright, I know that, full of light. Um, He was just transferred into the realm of glory. And of course, the, the sort of most brilliant transfiguration of all we have, Moses, Elijah, is Jesus on and the Bible doesn't say which mountain, but church history says it was probably Mount Tabor. Um, that Jesus, in a most singular way, in the company of Peter, James, and John, also was transfigured. His appearance was altered. And this is kind of like Moses, right? There's this sort of similarity. But there's one big difference that Moses, his radiance was like a mirror being held up to the bright light of God. Like it was a reflective radiance. Jesus is God. So the light for him wasn't just sort of by reflection. It was emanating from within himself. Right? That's why not just his face shone, but his clothes turned dazzling white, as the gospel says. His whole body was, um, for a moment, the veil was off. He was showing the glory that he had to his three apostles who were with him. I think, you know, so much of the gospels are showing like, oh, you love Moses? One greater than Moses is here. Right? That's so much of the life of Jesus. And similar in, in this incident. And it's uh, in this sort of temporary transfiguration, it's very interesting that then also Moses and Elijah show up. These two people who had drawn so near to God's glory in their life and who hadn't been seen on earth. Moses, lest you forget, um, he disappeared 1,500 years ago prior to Jesus and Elijah seven to 800 years ago. These people have been long gone from the earth. And here they are just talking with Jesus. And um, it's to me one of these sort of delightful, puzzling details that only Luke includes what Jesus was talking about. It says he was talking about his departure, his soon-to-happen death. So I'm like, why is Jesus telling Moses and Elijah about what's to happen? I don't know the answer to that. But I, I think maybe it reveals something that the Lord cares for all his servants, whether you're on earth or in heaven, dead or alive. Um, the, the dead are, of course, alive to the Lord. He is filling them in with knowledge and relationship with himself. Uh, I think there's a comforting picture there.
Um, as I was thinking about this lesson, uh, when weird stuff happens, stuff that's outside of the ordinary in the Gospels and in Acts, the apostles, their first guess is that they're in a vision, right? When Peter's woken up in the jail by an angel, it's like he, he thought he was just in a dream. I bet the apostles, when they saw this Jesus glowing white and Moses and Elijah, I bet they thought it was a vision. Only maybe when Peter pipes up like, well, let's build some tabernacles. And the gospel says the moment he said that, it's like as Elijah and Moses are sort of vanishing from sight, that they realize, no, this was really happening. This wasn't a trick of the eyes. It wasn't a hallucination. They, could, they were really seeing what they thought they saw. And in a way, it's sort of the final epiphany, right? The message from sort of the second part of what happened, which is adds to the strangeness, the extraordinariness, this cloud comes where they are and a voice from the cloud. And it says they're terrified. And the voice says, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him which is the same message as at Jesus' baptism, right? When he was first revealed, the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And here, sort of just before he'll begin the long, dark road to Calvary, when sort of the plots of the, those Jews who were opposed to him were to begin to be set into action, he has this sort of final epiphany. This is who this is. This is the son of God. Listen to him. And I, I can't help but think when... Uh, Peter, James, and John then saw Jesus be betrayed and beaten and crucified, that that memory of seeing him transfigured would have been sort of held in this parallel tension of, okay, like, what I'm seeing right now is horrible and makes no sense, but this was the same Lord who was transfigured. This can't be an accident, as in fact it wasn't. This can't be the end, as in fact it wasn't. I think Jesus gave this vision to the disciples that they would have some shred of faith to hold on to when they were to encounter what they next saw, which was Jesus' suffering. I think it's good to recall to ourselves that right now, this very moment, Jesus is still in his transfigured body. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father in his resurrected human body that's been fully glorified. That was his sort of next presentation of a glorious body was in the resurrection appearances, right? This was sort of a, the transfiguration's like a trailer for then the, the full thing that was to come in the resurrection. Right now, Jesus is living in that body and Moses still, Elijah still, Peter, James and John, they are also in heaven with the Lord, radiating God's glory. They're still waiting for the resurrection of the body. But they are already presently alive to the Lord and are, are one step further in that, that journey towards being transfigured. Um, what does all this uh, mean for us? What we see, I think, in these um, transfiguration stories is that they were the result of drawing near to the Lord, right? Moses had to climb a literal mountain and then fast for 40 days before he saw the Lord. Uh, not accidentally the same length as Lent, right? Um, the three disciples had followed Jesus at his invitation and even though they were sleepy, it says, they'd sort of stayed awake and therefore they were granted this, uh, this gift of getting to see Jesus in his glory. And uh, even Jesus himself, 
in his being, he was never far from the Father, right? Because he and the Father are one. But it's a, I think it's an important detail of the Scriptures that Luke adds in verse 29. It says, while Jesus was praying, his appearance changed. And I think that's kind of our clue for what does this mean for us. That if we desire to be transformed by God, we have to draw near to him. We won't become shiny like Moses right away. But it's interesting, in the, if you read in church history, in the lives of a lot of saints, there are many, many incidences where Christians, men and women, had drawn so close to Jesus in their life of discipleship that they actually did start to emanate this sort of unearthly glow. Transfiguration begins with inward transfiguration. It can extend outward, and ultimately it will when we're raised from the dead. And the means that God has given us, because he is invisible and everywhere, we don't have to climb a mountain on the Sinai Peninsula to go meet him. The means he's given us to draw near is as simple as prayer. And so what I want to call you to as we go into Lent, right? Lent begins on Wednesday, is don't just take away something. Don't just fast. Add prayer, right? Don't just clean out the house. Invite good company over, right? The company of God himself. Whether it's seeking to pray sort of quick arrow prayers in the midst of the day, being able to set aside times for prayer, joining the church in her prayers, whatever it may be, add prayer in Lent. That's the reason we fast, um, is that we might increase in fervency of our prayer life, which means drawing nearer to God so that we can be more transfigured, that we can be made more like Him, more glorious, inwardly and, and outwardly. This is actually a promise that God gives us in James chapter 4, verse 8, famous verse, right? Draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Um, it is not often instant, right? Like Moses is a good picture, fasting on his face for 40 days before um, the Lord revealed himself to Moses. Drawing near doesn't mean, okay, I'm here, God, where are you? Oh, you're not here, okay, I'm gone, right? That's kind of how I think sometimes I'm inclined to live in, in prayer. No, no, keep drawing near. Keep practicing prayer and the, the disciplines which we especially focus on in Lent time. Because we're saying, Lord, I, I, want, I want you to draw near to me. Here I am, please. And, and keep pushing into approaching him. He promises to draw near. Um, most of the time, it's in a, when he does draw near, it's in a very quiet way, as you know. Almost imperceptible. But it, at some portion of, this, of our spirit, knowing that sense of the Lord is near, and it's hard to even explain what it feels like because it's such a unique experience and it is so gentle. He has such a quiet presence most of the time. But it's also the case, as many Christians testify, sometimes in life you'll draw near to God and he'll draw near back in like the cloud that terrified the apostles in this sort of overwhelming, dreadful sense of, wow, God is near. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think it's good as a Christian to be open to that, to know that that is how God might meet us sometimes. In your prayer closet, while you're walking down the street, maybe here at church, I don't know when, maybe not ever, but the, to know that the Lord still does meet us in that way sometimes. 
and sometimes very quietly, drawing near to him in prayer is, is everything. When we draw near to him, we, it's an act of faith that then allows God to come with his glory and transform us from one degree of glory to another. But ultimately, right, the glory is his. It's a reflected glory, a glory that he's infusing into us in his mercy. And the glory is his, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.